turned down last episode we were turned up yeah and this episode we're like i don't know i know if you if you can't handle us when we're giddy you don't deserve us when we're depressed yeah Um, i'm not depressed (laughs) i'm just tired um yeah yeah i tell myself every morning i'm probably depressed yeah (laughs) (laughs) like 13 years like um uh, (laughs) Just didn't get enough sleep last night. I only got nine hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, but we're here. We're podcasting. We're talking about episode three mm-hmm. of the Adam Curtis series. I wonder if there are people listening at this point, three episodes in, that are not watching. Like, imagine if there's just people that are like, oh, well, I'll just hear what they have to say about it. I honestly kind of prefer that. Actually, I kind of have I'm to. Saying I've it. actually, like, I've listened, when I used to listen to more podcasts because I had like I don't know like I feel like when I worked I listened to way more podcasts um but I used to listen to a lot of like tv show review podcasts that I hadn't watched the tv show up to just be like hmm this is funny (laughs) (laughs) could be us yeah Um, so maybe that's what's going on right now yeah I also I mean all the episodes are out so like who's to say that like anyone's actually keeping up with like the rate at which we're watching it which is extremely yeah. slow. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we Has anything happened in the last week? I was like trying to rack my brain. Um, I can't think of anything. I mean, certainly not to me. Thing. No, yeah, me <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> um, yeah. Like everything that I every or sorry, like literally everyone that I work for all got vaccinated all at once except me. <laughs> so that happened in the last wow. week. I know. Um, it wasn't like an act of like I wasn't trying to do that. It was just like I got an email that was like, "Oh, like there's now like a loophole that allows like grad students to be vaccinated." And I was like, oh, "Okay." And then, like, I went into every single one of my meetings and everyone was like, I already have an appointment for this afternoon. I had to refresh the page a hundred times. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, Okay, well, I guess I'll just wait then if it's so busy. (laughs) Yeah. No, the vaccines are being full full on, like, administered by FEMA here. Like, the the actual army is, like, administering vaccines in Brooklyn. It's insane. It's literally like that David D's photo of like FEMA at Walmart giving vaccines. Like, is fully like what's happening. I don't know. I'm just like, I actually kind of like. It's creepy to think too hard about it, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I feel optimistic that I think there's like a real sense of people being like, "Oh my god, you're getting vaxxed. That's so exciting. Good for you." Because like, I mean, realistically, as much as like. I'm creeped out by the idea of that and the idea that, like, it's, like, run by, like, a private, like, two private pharmaceutical companies, which is just, like, so, like, fully stupid. Saving the world, Like, yeah. we just, like, so desperately need, like, some kind of, like, social program that, like, yeah, everyone's, people need like, 
yes, yeah. you're doing that. That's great. Like, and I feel yeah. like, I mean, clearly like voting's not working. So maybe it just has to be vaccination. Um, <laughs> Getting shot up. Yeah, yeah. I think like, I, I think people need it psychologically. I think that that's, Same. I feel like what I, I need it psychologically. I, I don't need it psychologically, but I will get it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I feel like I don't need a vaccine to, like, tell me to, like, go into certain interaction. Like, I don't know. To me, it's like, I'm not that worried personally about myself. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to get COVID canceled for saying that. But, like, I feel like the vaccination situation is really just, like, people need to feel safe in themselves. Like, that's what we need is like we need we literally just like need people to not be like struck with fear 24 7 and like anything that's like pushing us in that direction i think is probably a good thing (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. um but yeah so that was kind of just like it was kind of just like jarring because i was just like oh my god like i did not know this was going to happen so fast and all at once for like literally every single person that i talked to over zoom yeah like but yeah, it was kind of, yeah, yeah. it was kind of nice for that reason. So I was like, oh, good. Like, I'm glad you're getting that. Yeah, everyone's got like a little <laughs> inner glow right now. That's like, I can feel it. It's like that thing that's like, this photographer took photos of people before and after they were told they were beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but after, yeah, after they, they got they their first shot of the Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I feel like that is the vibe right now. Um, oh my God. And I'm just like, whatever, I'll take it. I got it. Yeah, whatever. It. Um, yeah mike got it yesterday yeah everyone in town is staying backed up um and azalea banks also released her list of like people she loves on instagram which was like literally the only other current event i can think of it's so funny i'm so so random It literally, like, she includes Angelical Pickles, like, from the Rugrats. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, honestly, same. Like, Angelica Pickles is so funny. Um, I like that she puts herself at the end. Me too. Like, with, like, a halo with, like, around fancy it. Writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And that it's, like, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty random. Um, it's really random like i feel like there's no consistent like theme like also like ariel pink it's like okay ariel pink's on that because he like came out as a trump supporter like really (laughs) like it's like you couldn't like where's lil wayne on this list you know what i mean like where is it i guess she has her whole like thing with kanye but it's like i feel like there's like more celebrities that have come out like supporting trump that are like more interesting and brave than like ariel Ariel pink (laughs) That's true. I mean, are there? I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe not. But I feel like Ariel <laughs> Pink, like, like his whole shtick was like just like being like, "Well, I voted for it because I was voting against cancel culture." It's like, mm-hmm. okay, word, like, <laughs> like brave. You deserve to be on Azalea Banks' love list. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but maybe Perhaps. she just really likes his music. That could, you know, she'd be an idiot not to. Her <laughs> kind of looks like yours. Um, yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Just like super basic girl handwriting. No, um, my like my handwriting and I think her handwriting also is like it's like clearly girl handwriting, but it's like not good girl handwriting. Yeah, you know, true. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. like it's personally difficult for me to uh, <laughs> confront myself. <laughs> Probably one of my biggest insecurities. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 
<clears throat> so it's yeah, really, it, it makes me feel really good to see representation um, yeah. of myself in the media via Azalea Banks' handwriting in her love list. <laughs> <laughs> you feel so seen right now. I'm so seen right now, yeah. She I mean, unique from Drag Race. I know, I was wondering that too. I was like, does she mean like Drag Race Sonique? But <laughs> I guess so. When I she includes it, Northwest. Like, why North? Like, <laughs> does she know Northwest? She includes Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love yeah, that. It's so um, cool. Um, who who would be on Realizing Stuff's uh, love list? Um, Lana, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lana Del Rey, Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Um, Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson. Chris Jenner. Yeah. Um, our fans. XOXO. Our fans, <laughs> yeah. Realizing Stuff podcast, like on the list. <laughs> People Realizing Stuff podcast loves. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to think about it because like this list really has me thinking because I feel like you can kind of see her like line of thought as it goes through it because it's like obviously if you're making a list of like people that you loved you'd be like thinking like categorically and you'd be like oh this person oh this person yeah so like i want to like not on air but i want to at some point go through and rack our brains and like figure out (laughs) yeah 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 mutually too yeah like literally who do we love like (laughs) who's not gaga certainly not gaga Jamie uh, Lee Curtis in Freaky Friday. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, no, uh, we'll drop with the next episode, our love list. Thanks our love list. Yeah. yeah. Queen. We love, we like, love Like, literally it. queen. She's on the list. I, um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Azalea Banks, Pamela Anderson, and Anna Kachian are my three god tier, like, podcast guests. Like, if any of them came on, do you not agree? I would clear all the books. I'm trying to think who my dream podcast guests would be. Um, I feel like my dream podcast guests would be, like, more like we... I guess Azalea Banks is pretty weird. Like, I picked... Like, I feel like... No, I don't know. I don't know what my list would be. I have to think about that, too. I'm too, like... Anderson is insane. She's, like, friends with... Yeah, she is. She is, yeah. yeah. I've also watched her on, like, her son is on, like, the Hills reboot. So, okay. like, she's occasionally on it. And, like, she's oh. always just, like, ta- she'll always just be, like, oh, you know, I'm in love. And I'm, like, <laughs> is she talking about, like, Julian Assange? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, she'll be, like, I met a man in France. I'm in love. And, wow. like, her son will be, like, my mom's a hopeless romantic, just like me. <laughs> That's amazing. It's the kid from the sex tape. Like, that's literally... It's her son with, like, what's-his-face from the sex tape. Tommy Lee. Like, oh. it's their kid. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so cool. And now he's on the hills. Like, now? Or, like... Yeah, so they... still running? They restarted the hills with, like, okay. some people from the original hills. But, obviously, like, not all of them wanted to come back. You know how they did, yeah. like, Jersey Shore, like, coming back? Like, all, like yeah. all those shows. I mean, every show, every movie ever is just trying to, like desperately be remaking something from the past but like yeah, yeah they they did like a, a reboot of the hills die. and then they just like included him as part of the new cast because like i mean he's got the clout you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. um it's kind of like yeah 
depressing how like the film industry as is as is everything is just like trapped in a limitless cycle of like trying to keep some trying to keep like a a dead horse alive or whatever Um, i mean that's adam curtis's whole bit right is that like we're just like managing the decline instead of coming up with any sort of new idea or new story as he would say that's true as hell. I think when I was in San Francisco last, I had a very, like, <clears throat> actually, I feel like that was very much my reaction. And I know that you kind of have, like, a, I mean, you kind of hate San Francisco, right? I hate San Francisco, okay, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, I think the reason why it's so creepy is because it's, like, a mausoleum to counterculture. Like, it's very much, yeah. like, this city is built around the idea that it's, like, it's crazy and gay and hippie because it like truly was at one point. But like, I feel like the essence of like something that's like, I don't know, like created by like a group of people and it's living and it's like, and it is therefore changing is that like, it will inevitably like die. You know what I mean? And you cannot create something that's just like, like predicated on like the, like (laughs) the just like existence of, I don't know, like, like, I think, like, in New York, there's a similar, like, nostalgia for, like, the gay 90s, whatever, and, like, what it means to be, <clears throat> I don't know, like, I don't know, what it means to be, like, countercultural, what it means to be, like, queer or gay or whatever, and it's, like, always just kind of, like, like, predicated on, like, looking backwards at, like, the image of the thing as it existed before and not, like, mm-hmm. as it's able to, like, like, I mean, it's just lightning never strikes twice. Like, nothing no. will ever exist in the present as it did before. No, instead, instead, what you get now is at the heart of the Castro district, there's, like, a giant, like, it looks like a Greek monument, like, with, like, white pillars. It's, like, a giant, like, white building with, like, rainbow lights at, like, all the pillars. And it's just, a, it's just a giant soul cycle <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the Castro. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's what we get <laughs> instead of instead of like an something new. That's the like regurgitated like garbage that we get from looking back at the past. No, yeah, <laughs> they all turn into soul cycle. Um, <laughs> like, so fucked. Um, yeah, damn. Well, I have a question. If we're gonna oh, yeah? go into Adam Curtis, okay, hit hit um, me. What I'm curious, like. How you think, how do you think that the world or civilization is going to end? Like, if, like, every kind of, I know that, like, as some author, to which I do not know, has, like, said that, like, you know, every, like, every generation creates their own, like, apocalypse theory. Mm, and, like, mm-hmm. obviously for us, it's, like, the climate crisis, but, like, yeah. the, the A-bomb, or, like, I don't know, or, like, the Aztecs, it was 2012, <laughs> for the the generation Aztec. <laughs> generation Aztec. <laughs> um, oh my god. But like why like I don't know. Do you is there a certain like apocalyptic like like kind of like theory that like resonates with you? Like mm. and especially I think too in regards to like what I was saying last episode about how like it's so impossible oh, we were saying this in regards to the end of stories, it's, like, so impossible to think of, like, 10 years into the future, just because we're also, like, what the literal fuck, um, that, like, I don't know, assuming you can't imagine the world 10 years into the future, like, what do you think is going to happen? 
Okay, so is the question, what do I think is going to happen? Or is do I have a favorite apocalyptic theory? Or Ooh. do I have a preferred one? Because I think I have different answers for all three of those questions. Okay, sure, all three. Okay, um, so... My favorite zombie, Yes, I was going to say, if I could choose one... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's right, but my favorite. My favorite is zombie apocalypse because I've been obsessed with zombie apocalypse, like, literally forever. Well, it's a little... But why like... do you think... Yeah, why do you think we're into zombie apocalypse? I was gonna say i mean i think we've been texting about world war ii also which was weird because that also came up at the dinner like a dinner last night like wow. someone was like i met like rip world war ii because like there was such a clear sense of like like there was more of like a sense of like good cop bad cop in world war ii yeah. than in like literally any subsequent like well and we were the good cops so and we were the that's good also i mean allegedly yeah. i think there's been a little like historical revisionism with like the japanese internment camp like thing that's and true. like <clears throat> but um i don't know yeah but like the because <laughs> like the nazis were right about some things don't quote me that <laughs> Um, the, but, like, I, I think that's, like, what's appealing about a zombie apocalypse is that it's, like, oh, like, there's no, like, there's no, like, cancel culture like in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. It's just, like, okay. Humans. There would be. Literally, race. if there were a zombie apocalypse at this point, people would be, like, zombie lives. <laughs> <laughs> Oh the my god. Community. Yeah, the like, pro zombie like me. Um, <laughs> I think like what so I like high. about I think what I like about zombie apocalypse is that it's immediate. Like so it's not like an apocalypse where it's like slowly unfolding. It's yeah. like a it's like kind of like a you know it's it's, it's a, the band-aid and you're like Right, it's go. it's an acute event and like I feel like I like the idea that like everyone's lives could just change all at once and we would just have to like start from like a level that's like so much lower than we're at right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I sounds hate like that idea, uh, but... I'm like I'm like mm, wait, wait. You're right. <laughs> she started the pandemic. She released COVID from the Wuhan lab. Yeah. Um, <laughs> idea that like i feel like the romance like the romantic idea of the zombie apocalypse is that like you know like a pizza delivery boy all of a sudden becomes this hero who's like saving people and like helping society like like yeah. it levels the playing field in a way that's like very human mm-hmm. which yes. i feel like artistically i'm into that and yeah. then Okay, what Every I... Every man I, can pull himself up by his bootstraps in the zombie apocalypse. It's or true. not, but... <laughs> or not, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you become a zombie, you mm-hmm. know? So, whatever. You still kind get to play flex. a part. Weird yeah. flex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that's my fave. And then, what do I hope... Ha- Wait, I don't remember all the other ones that I set up, okay, but like, I guess... I think it was more like, what, is, what do you think is, like, the most likely, likely I guess? Like, or, like... I don't want to say, like, terrifying, mm. but, like, if you're, like, ugh, I I'm really, really think it's X. I'm really, like, big into economic disaster right now. That's, I think, the doomsday that I'm, like, trying to prepare for right now is I'm, like, okay, well, if we have, like, an economic meltdown right. and, like, all of a sudden, like, our country is just kind of in, like, shambles all at once, like, what the hell do you do? And that's, like... I don't know. I guess, like, that, like, as an apocalypse, it's, like, I don't know. It would end, like, one society. It wouldn't, like, end, like, 
humanity, I guess, in the way mm. that like a nuclear bomb, like starting a nuclear winter would. Yeah. But like, I think like more, I feel like societal, I don't know, like 2008 was pretty big and we kind of just were like, uh, whatever, like, we'll just get past this and like, kind of just like reference it in the past. But like, I feel like having like more 2008 financial crises at larger scales or in different sectors is like pretty likely to happen. And so like, I don't know, 2008 wasn't an apocalypse for sure. Mm -hmm. But I guess like, that's like my realistic, like apocalypse. Like, it's like, I don't really think we're going to get nuked. Mm -hmm. I don't really think that like, I don't know, like, I think climate change also is going to be a gradual thing that's just going to slowly sort of wipe out like coastal cities and like, places that are like really hot or just like not amenable to human life. But I don't think Mm -hmm. it's going to be like a you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess just like <laughs> gradual dissolution of society is yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Is my well, answer. I guess if you're saying like economic collapse that implies like famine or something. Yeah, right. Like like I think like pe- like poverty, like mass poverty, that kind of yeah. situation is sort of like I, I would say that's my that's my apocalypse that I'm like that most really concerned horrible. about. Yeah. It's hard not that to think about that too worse, living because that's the opposite yeah. of a zombie apocalypse. That's like slow burn. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's hard not to think about that living in California because the home, like the homelessness problem is so bad. Yeah. Like it's insane. I mean, it's just like, it's at a level where it's just like, okay, we're just going to all walk past this and pretend that this is normal and pretend that this is not indicative of something like really major going on that we're all just like beating around the bush of. Like, I feel like the downward spiral into like most of our country being in poverty is something that I could pretty not I don't want to say pretty realistically see but like I do think that that's kind of like the creeping thing that I'm like I have in the back of my mind yeah these days Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) these days (laughs) (laughs) what's yours Um, I don't know I don't actually like I think probably nuclear holocaust like that's so boomer damn yeah that's so i just think it's like it's just a matter of time you know like um you don't think the nuclear threat's up because i kind of feel like the nuclear threat is like over but it's not i mean it isn't it's not no and like i don't know like there's so many like random ass hoes with like nukes these days like these days these days Oh my god. Is he doing it? <laughs> wow, we've gone uh, too far. We've literally gone with, too far. Will someone stop us? Okay. Um, <laughs> and yes, that is what I think. Um, yeah, it just, like, it just doesn't add up to me. I don't think the environmental thing, like, <clears throat> I don't think global warming is going to cause an apocalypse. Like, I just don't, like... I don't know, like, I mean, and again, in Adam Curtis, they kind of, he in this episode talks about when, like, planetary scientists first discovered that, like, the Earth's climate is, like, fundamentally unstable and, like, has Mm -hmm. gone through, like, warmer and and colder periods, like, historically, and I guess that's also why I say, like, like, make a distinction between, like, is it the the end of the world or the end of civilization? Because, like, life will definitely, like, persist. Oh, absolutely. Um, Life's going to persist. I mean, human life is, like, I guess a question, although I think 
I think it'd be pretty hard to wipe out all human life. I think but so like, too. but like, like life. Like Zemo will outlive us all. <laughs> <laughs> post human, post human. She's like the next. Like we're like Homo sapiens. She's like the next like <laughs> species. <laughs> Neanderthal, Homo sapiens, Lohan. <laughs> I think, okay, well, here's my professional opinion as an earth scientist. Like, so they talk about, they start this episode pretty, like, like, I feel like he doesn't really go back to it. And I wish he had, but maybe he will in future episodes. He, like, talks about how von Neumann, the guy who created the atomic bomb, said that the only thing that was, like, as complicated as, like, the processes that go into, like, the detonating of an atomic bomb are the processes that control Earth's climate. And, like, I don't know, I think one of the things that always, like, trips me up about climate science in general is that, like, it all relies on these, like, models that, like, literally everybody knows is are wrong. And that mm. it, it is true that, like, the overwhelming majority of climate predictive models say that the climate is going to get warmer. I mean, I think it doesn't take, like, I, I don't know, it doesn't take, like, a global climate model to prove that to me i feel like everyone has just like literally observed that at this point like that like things are getting warmer but i think like the idea that we can predict what will happen as accurately as like i think is projected that we can is like i mean i think it's total total falsity like (laughs) and like i was yeah like i have any science to back it up but like i have a hunch He's got a yeah. hunch. I, I was just talking to this climate scientist that I work with the other day about how, like, he was saying, like, everybody in climate science is just, like, obsessed with machine learning. Like, machine learning is, like, the thing. Like, if you go to, like, a climate science conference, like, everybody's just fucking talking about machine learning. And, like, if you're a machine learning person, you can, like, get a job anywhere or whatever. Yeah. And basically, machine learning is just, like, you teach a computer to do something very well so like pattern recognition for example is like what computers are pretty good at if you show a computer a picture of like a thousand pictures of a shoe then like it's going to start being able to like find shoes and images and stuff like that right and so the reason why climate scientists are really obsessed with machine learning is because right now all climate models are incredibly dependent on the initial conditions that you start the model from so like even if you have like the same processes going on, like if you start with different initial conditions, you get super different outcomes. And so as a result, not only like our climate models, like the ones that are kind of like across the world inconsistent with each other, they're also inconsistent with themselves a lot of the time okay. because it's like so dependent on just like these little details that are decided by the people that make them. And okay. so the reason why climate scientists are into machine learning is because they're like, oh my God, we can get the machines to learn how to pick the initial conditions and then we'll all be using the machine learning to do it. So our models will be more similar because we're going to teach these genius machines how to do it for us. And we won't have all this human error from us picking the initial conditions. And I was talking to him and I was like, what, like, that's just God. Like, you're literally just saying like, it's in God's hands, like God meaning the machine. And just like being like, well, because God says it does, that's what the climate's going to do. Like, you know, it's crazy. Well, I feel like, too, it's like, okay, so, I mean, from, like, a fundamentally non-scientific perspective, a fundamentally spiritual perspective. (laughs) Thank um, you. (laughs) Like, when you think about, I mean, the whole fact that, like, basically part of what he said in this episode was that the, you know, the Earth is, the, the 
climate is an unstable system. It is like, it does not, it is going to just like, it's not going to just be like a self-enclosed feedback loop that is like doing the same thing annually, like, like into infinity. And like, I feel like the whole, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing of like cybernetics and this like references another like, like Adam Curtis show that we actually talked about on the podcast a long time ago, but I'll watch your Red Machines of Love and Grace. But like the whole like idea of cybernetics is that like, like the environment, economics, like, et cetera, can all be like studied and understood as like, like, like self-enclosed feedback loops and like understood kind of as like, as machines that are Mm -hmm. like kind of self-perpetuating. And that's like, I just don't think that's true. Like, I don't think yeah. that, like, like it's, like, a fundamentally unstable system. It could just get hotter and hotter and hotter. There's nothing to say that, like, it's going to get colder eventually because of X. It just, like, you know what I mean? And so it's, like, yeah. I feel like inside of what that those scientists are saying, which is, like, we need more machine learning, it's, like, do we, though? Like, it's, like, I mean, like, is a machine capable of, like, predicting what will happen with the environment probably like but not i don't know like not entirely. i don't know that it is i don't know that it is and i think that like this is kind of one of the optimistic points that adam curtis makes i'm not sure if he makes it explicitly in this series or if it's just in like the interviews that i've been listening to of him but like he basically just talks about how like what if like we're wrong about like how much power data has like we add to like Facebook's power, for example, by being like, oh my God, Facebook is like collecting all of your data. But like, what if like the data that Facebook is collecting is actually completely useless? Like, what is like the proof that like having all this data, having all these like algorithms, having all these like machines that learn, like makes you smarter, more able to shape society or have power like that's something that we give to it because we think like oh my god that's so scary and i don't understand it but like Mm. i wouldn't say that there's necessarily like hard evidence at this point that like that like collecting like where your eyes look on the screen as you're scrolling has like significantly resulted in like major changes in the way that people's brain works and i think like more of it is that like our like it can keep your attention for sure. Like it can get you addicted to it, but like, yeah. can it actually like shape you fundamentally? Like, I'm not sure yeah. if that's true, but we give it so much power. We give it that power basically yeah. by saying that it does. And so then we're afraid of it. And then all of a sudden Mark Zuckerberg is one of the richest people in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? It can like, like destroy us, but it cannot like generate new. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not God. It's not yeah. God. And yeah. people treat it like it's fucking God. And I think yeah. like that's the thing with the climate <laughs> models is it's just like this is like you, this is all just human created. This is you're not pulling from something that's greater than just like the sum of humanity. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like when you yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And there you have it. And there you have it. <laughs> Done. Okay. Um the takes no, are hot. The takes uh, are hot. Um I don't know. I have like a couple, I feel like I have like little like things, bits here and there that I wanted to talk about, but I don't know. Um, yeah. Should I, should I just go off? Go off. Like what, did you have any favorite? I mean, I really liked the episode. It was my favorite one. So yeah. Far. So I really like, liked it too. There were a few parts that like stuck out that I'm like, I don't know how to like, I don't have I a know. question about them. I just Exactly. Like... I feel like I didn't take that many notes 
but I was really emotionally like moved by this episode. Me too. Still stan like Jang Ching, like obsessed with her. Obsessed with like, her. The letter that like that guy posted in like Tiananmen Square when she got like driven out of that that guy like literally Jang Chaping. Um that was like what was it? Um I don't remember. Lady X, you are insane. Oh, that yeah. I was <laughs> like, like literally like, yes, queen. <laughs> she's fucking crazy, but she's free. That's um, true. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm very empathetic to her. I know she's like insane, but I just can't help it. I'm a feminist. I love women. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like she was also the only one who like really believed in the revolution. Like, yeah. truly. I feel like it was about like power for all of the rest of them. And she was like, no, we could really like change the world. Yeah, I mean, she wanted to change the world in a way that still did serve serve herself, but I feel like she was, like, I mean, yeah, I think she was, like, very, like, um, I don't don't know how to say it even. Like, she just is such, like, a captivating character. She's, like, she's a star. The rest of them were not stars. (laughs) That's true. That's so true. The rest were techies. Literally. Yes. And she, like, the thing is, too, it's, like, she was... The way that she was, like, conceptualizing, like, attaining power was, like, 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 I feel like more, like, masculine modes of, like, attaining power are, like, like, force or attrition, like, like, Mm -hmm. physical force or, like, economic attrition, which is, like, literally what, like, I mean, Mao Zedong as, like, kind of, like, like, in terms of, anyways, and then, but I feel like the ways that she conceptualized, like, rising to power were, like, much more feminine in the sense that they, like, they very much were, like, like, rooted in, like, the mind and the culture. And, yes. like, like, yeah. the, like, the relationship between, like, the self and, like, and, like, like, the collective, the history, the future, like, literally. Um, so here for it. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm empathetic to her. May she rest in peace. Yeah. I feel like in general, yeah, like, uh, there was also a lot of talk about, like, Valium in this episode. Yeah. And, like, I thought that the point about how, like, women basically got there first because, like, Uh they were just, like, alone in their houses in the suburbs and, like, they realized, like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, it feels insane. Like, I am, like, overcome with anxiety. And so, like, women went to Valium and then, like, the men eventually caught on as well. Like, I, I just, like, have been thinking about that like outside of the context of just Valium but like in general like I feel like women also control like just as like a modern example like women understand social media so much more than like men you know and I feel like it's like the power of like having social media clout is something that like women very well understand and like men have like no conceptual whatever of but I feel like that is like the new Valium like it's like a numbing for like being completely like isolated and alone like it's just like a modern version but I've just been thinking about like just the just the idea that like the issues with individualism or with I guess just kind of like the isolated paranoia of the u.s like hit women first because women were the ones that were like alone in the houses in the suburbs and like how that played out with valium or like anything else yeah it's just like that's that's women's history you know it's true yeah yeah yeah. a true feminist history (laughs) um yeah no i think the valium i mean i'm excited for him to like unpack that more because it's like so 
I don't know. He's the person to do it. I mm-hmm. like, it's like so hard to talk about like mental health medication because like, first of all, so many people that I literally love, like do depend on it. Like, it, like seriously. And so I don't want to like come across as like weirdly, like, I don't know, like seem like I'm like, um, challenging their experience especially one that they've found like physically or psychologically necessary like but then at the same time I mean and maybe I've talked about this on the pod but like I mean definitely coming back from Hong Kong to the U.S. like just like the prevalence of like medication is like so shocking in America like at this point just kind of as like like I mean it's like someone's got to talk about it and like I mean Marianne tried and like she literally got like like, Anderson Cooper tried to, like, cancel her for it. No, literally, because I feel like so often if you try to make a statement about it, people are like, so what, are you suggesting everyone just kill themselves? And yeah. it's like, I mean, no. And, like, I'm also not saying someone's, like, less than because of something they rely on, like, literally. Well, this is this is exactly the distinction, I guess, like, the collectivist versus individualist distinction is, like, I think that the prevailing notion in psychology right now right. is that your mental health and however you manage it is something that is inside of you and it's right. about you. Whereas, like, I think I subscribe more to the idea that, like, mental health, maybe not on an individual scale, but certainly on a societal scale is representative of the society, you know? So like people are anxious and depressed because their society is anxiety ridden and depressing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I think that, I think that part of what the pharmaceutical companies have done really successfully is like, is to smear people that try to talk about that by being like and it's not just mental health like diabetes is a good example too like all the medications that we use to like manage our weight and our heart issues when like the problem is like our lifestyle you know and if and so like we've stigmatized like that whole conversation just like we've stigmatized the mental health conversation i think the people that benefit from it are the pharmaceutical companies and it's and i think that i don't know i understand that people like have their personal traumas and their personal issues and I like respect anyone personally for whatever they like need to do to get by I mean honey like we're we're hanging on by a we're really hanging on here but um but I think like on a societal scale it's pretty obvious just looking through history too I mean the Valium example is a good example it's like the pharmaceutical companies don't care about what's going on in your head or getting you healthy like yeah. they care about creating a product that will serve a society. And so like to mm, that, that end, you can money that will disservice yeah. society if anything. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. Well, I meant as a service to like consumerism, I guess. Okay, sure. Yeah. 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 Right. Society's addiction. Well, um, that was like, I was going to say, like, I think one of the most interesting part of this, parts of this episode to me was um, when he kind of <clears throat> evoked at the end, like, like, uh like consumption as the 21st century addiction like through the lens of like Deng Xiaoping and like the rise of capitalist China and basically like the way he presents it is that like like kind of as like a a parable in which like 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 the like addictive consumption of like cheap goods most of which are manufactured in China as it exists in the the West right now is basically like a bookends to the opium wars in the 19th century in which the West flooded China with cheap opium to like addict them up and it's like I think I mean that's interesting like I guess touching on like what you just said about how it's like 
the like yeah like uh valium or pharmaceuticals are addictive in the sense that they become consumerist consumer goods mm-hmm. and like that is i guess like like at its core more like the pervasive addiction is just that of like that of consumption in like like myriad ways but i, I feel like know. consumption and drugs are a means to an end of like filling the hole or like dealing with the like underlying problem. Like I would say consumption is more of like an analog to something like Valium where it's like you can consume yourself into like a stupor or a numbness as well. And I think as Americans, we generally do. Yeah. 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 yeah, I love that like tie in just from like, yeah, like getting the West addicted to consumer goods as it like a really foil to the opium crisis it. like it's absolutely true yeah, yeah 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 um i don't know i mean well i would say that like consumption does feel good but um well so do drugs I, so do drugs that's true <laughs> uh tea spilled but like um i think like yeah i mean i don't know i guess like Something that I've been going on about a lot recently is that, like, I'm, like, you shouldn't, like, we shouldn't be environmentalists for, like, environmental reasons. We should be for, like, spiritual reasons in the sense that, like, like, consuming huge quantities of just, like, packaging, packaged foods, shitty things, products that are meant to last less than five years, like, feels really terrible and like if we are kind of each of the things that we like I mean I think that on some level yeah we are like like an accumulation of each of the things that we like let pass through us whether we totally are friends lovers goods foods etc like and I think that actually is why too like when I just said like consumption feels really good it's because like meaningful consumption of good things is like putting I mean I was just like furniture shopping all weekend so like yeah but like it's like that is putting like beauty into your life when you are like like buying things that are or like finding things that are like like meaningful and beautiful and like making them a part of yourself I actually also I think that's kind of a tie into the the thing I had at the beginning where I was like like talking about like the end of the world or the end of civilization because I feel like I was thinking recently about like how um how like like fur coats and um leather coats are like meant to last for like generations and to be passed down and to like be like like kept like like for literally like decades or hundreds of years and like how I wonder if like in the same with like older houses too and it's Mm -hmm. like as we've moved to like cheaper more instant shittier quality things our perception of the end of the world has also like become so much shorter like the the end of the world feels like so eminent because like all the things we own are made to last like less than 10 years which like I know that is medium the game I mean that's exact proof of your spiritual thesis of like you being the summation of the things around you right that's like a perfect example yeah Yeah. yeah. I'm very down for that I completely agree about like (laughs) I think like it does have to be a spiritual basis because I think like if you're trying to do the calculations to be like, okay, well, I'm going to do this because it has like this, because I'm trying to get to net zero or like some Uh shit like that. It's like, you literally just like, can't 
you just can't like you consume like but you also what does that mean you're like a siri like like a net zero <laughs> like that's like a creepy concept exactly yeah it's like i think like i think like i don't know obviously like you can say like oh this is more sustainable than this or this like produces less waste than this and obviously those things are like useful to pivot towards like as a society and in your own whatever but i think like spiritually it, you're exactly right it's like you're supposed to like cherish the things that are around you you know yeah. like you're supposed to like have reverence for like the things that are in your life and like like people things whatever like you're supposed yeah. to be connected to the things that are in your physical world and like sure. how can you be connected to your physical world when like probably 70 percent of what's in the room with you right now is stuff that was made by effectively slaves you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah literally, literally. like it's like okay word like, yeah. <laughs> yeah but i and guess also, that's like america in general maybe that's our spiritual sickness that's like true. yeah built on the back of slaves yeah i mean so was every country um that's true but that's neither here nor there but like i feel like too it's like i mean i like that because it's like i mean i feel like there's something about like consumption too and like i guess this applies also to um or like like pleasure or like hedonism but like in kind of like adrian marie brown type ways but like i feel like it's very like healing to like consume meaningfully and like i feel like the yeah. idea of like net zero or like continually cutting back until you're not like minimalism it, or veganism yeah yeah exactly like marie condoing your life like i feel like it very much like implies that the goal is to be like nothing yeah. yeah yeah and which is like really sad like yeah. and also it like doesn't really leave space for like growth or change or development exactly it's um, not a compelling alternative it's yeah. just like a it's managing the decline exactly it's, yeah seriously yeah yeah um, we're really we're pretty right tonight i know what the <laughs> hell i feel like when we're turned down we're like way smarter or something <laughs> like damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow who knew um (laughs) oh can i give my bit about nixon ending the gold standard because i wanted to talk about that oh my god it's so interesting too yeah yeah so like he mentions in the documentary about how nixon ended the gold standard because of like all the debt that had accrued from the vietnam war and like i literally think about this like every single day and so i was just like oh my god like i need to I need to flush this out. I feel like I don't have, like, so much of a conversation as much as I just have, like, a bit that I'm, like, this is what I feel is going on or, like, this is what I can't get past. And, like, in hopes that by, like, putting it out there, then we can, like, I can slowly work through it, which I feel like is what we often do on this podcast. But so basically, like, the gold standard is basically just the idea that, like, your currency is tied to a, a weight of gold and therefore, like, has a connection to value that's, like, if that physically exists, like the US dollar is equal to whatever amount of gold. And so like, then the US dollar becomes what other currencies are based off of. And so like, whatever, you have like something that's physically tying it to reality. So basically, like, because there was so much debt from Vietnam and from like oil purchases at the time, mm-hmm. Nixon basically was just like, okay, fuck it, no more gold standard. We're just we're just going to print money to get the country out of debt. And we've never gone back. So that was like, I don't know, like 1970 around that time. Mm -hmm. Um, No, before that, I don't know. Like I literally don't know (laughs) years or 
like history of the I United it's States. Seventy two, but I'm like making that up. We're like so okay, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's con- that that's considered to be kind of the beginning of neoliberalism, like the beginning of this kind okay. of like uh, capitalist era of just like yeah. stock market craziness and just like yeah, like kind of like multinational corporation, whatever. Because like basically like what happened when the dollar stopped meaning anything is you can just like print money for anything. Yeah. And so like the stock market, just like the stock market went up like as a result of this. Right. And so like money isn't like tethered to anything now. It's like, like totally liquid. It's totally, yeah. And it's like currencies can like change relative to each other. Like with nothing, stocks can change prices for nobody knows what reason. Like not to say yeah. that wasn't happening before this, but it just sort of like, that was kind of like the breaking thing where it was like, okay, we're really not going to go back after this. Like, okay, word. Literally bye. Literally bye. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, but, and also he kind of talks about how the, um, because like this was around the same time that like the, the like petrol rich Arab states, uh, politically correct, Middle Eastern countries. I, I feel like that was right. Arab states. Um, <laughs> like, but they, like, like were, like, getting a, like, shit ton of, like, international cash or capital because of, like, the, like, first oil booms. And so, like, and they basically, like, didn't know, like, they had more than they knew what to do with. And so, like, basically, they, like, banks started printing. I mean, as he puts it, like, currency that was not, like, tethered to any like sovereign government Mm -hmm. you know and so like the idea now is that like yeah exactly like banks control levels of cash that are like outside of the like control or of anything i mean they're not they're not yeah yeah it's not they're not it's not tied to anything but so okay so that's kind of like the historical context and obviously like the world we're in now is exactly the same as that we just whatever print money and and so like what this is like the thing that I get hung up on about like kind of the nitty gritty details of like the Bernie Sanders economic platform or kind of like the AOC like sort of economic leftism is that like basically there's this theory called modern monetary theory, which is MMT, which is just mm-hmm. it's it's a direct response to Milton Friedman's monetary theory, which was yeah. just like free market capitalism, like total unregulation and like let the free market work like nature like that was like modern like monetary theory was that like uh supply and demand you know inflation is like everything's related to itself and you can explain it through mathematics and whatever so Mm -hmm. like that was the milton friedman model and then modern monetary theory was just like um no like (laughs) actually honey so like the basic i mean this is an oversimplification but the basic idea of modern monetary theory is that a government or a state cannot go bankrupt to its own currency. So like basically the national debt doesn't exist. Like a government can print the money that it needs to do anything because while a bank or a person or a small business can go bankrupt to the government, the government can't go bankrupt to itself. And so like by that logic, then you can do things like Medicare for all or free college or whatever without having to raise taxes because you can just print the money that's needed to do it. And like, this is the thing that I'm just like, what? Like, like, who said that? Like literally who said, you know, like, like I'm not someone mansplain MMT to us. Literally somebody, somebody make the case because I'm just like, 
No, like literally, like I feel like just basic intuition tells me like you literally just can't keep printing money into infinity and not just right. raise taxes on the wealthy. And that's yeah. sort of how this is sold is that this is a way for Democrats to get around having to raise yeah. taxes. That's pretty, yeah, it's insanely I, dumb. Um, I will say, I know that I've like, <clears throat> like maybe it's from Naomi Klein, but like um, with regards to the national debt, like, I'm pretty sure what a lot of, like, progressives kind of say is that, like, the reason the national debt has, like, ballooned to the extent that it has is because of, like, inflation, basically, and that it's actually, like, it's, like, a much less significant sum of money than it ever seems, and therefore, I mean, the national debt is, like, constantly invoked or evoked by conservatives to, like, make the Cut, case for scarcity. Yes. To yeah. be like, look, we have nothing because this is an insanely high sum of money. It's literally, like, the thon reveal every year. Yeah. You're just like, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of digits. But, like, realistically, it's not that many digits. It's just, like, ballooned because of, like, inflation. And, like, I guess somehow that would mean that it doesn't necessarily, like, need to... um like, it doesn't, like, need to exist or something because it's well, I just, think, like, this yeah. big amount that, like, is used for the case of scarcity. For sure. And, I mean, I think also at some point it's, like, well, if every country has a national debt, who are we in debt to? Like, literally yeah. our, like, our souls in the afterlife, probably. But, like, yeah, <laughs> like I feel like, I feel like it, it is true at some point. It's, like, okay, a national debt, it's, like, what? Like, what? Is China really going to, like you know, put the foot down and be like, no, you have to pay. Like, I think like right. debt is, is sort of just something that we've like, I don't know. I don't know how we've managed normalized. with it, but yeah, literally normalized debt. <laughs> but I think and like the stigma. Yeah. And the stigma. But, but I think like, I, I, while I think that's true, I think inflation is not that that's not the case for inflation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that like when you print money, you're going to get inflation. Like that's just, lit you literally just have more money. Like I know economics is a pseudoscience, but like that seems like pretty. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, simple. Yeah. But I think, and, and well, I think and inflation is not. The fact that inflation has like ruined civilization. Right. Like we don't have. Like America in the 1930s. Yeah. Or Germany pre-Nazi Germany. Like, I mean, yeah. I think like, I think inflation <laughs> is something that like we haven't really figured out like how to deal with. Like there's not yeah. like. Like, all the theory that we've applied, like, we've never, like, just been able to be like, oh, this is the fix-all for inflation. And so I think, like, the danger of MMT is that you get huge amounts of inflation, and then what do you do about that? Yeah. And, like, I'm literally yeah, just, like... AOC now? I know, like, literally, like, AOC, yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> come explain yourself. I don't know. I mean, yeah. like, I understand money's not real, and I think that all this is is basically an acknowledgement that money's not real. And so, like, yes, we can give people health care. We don't need to care about the debt, like, whatever. Yeah. But I think in terms of the nitty-gritty details, it's like, okay, well... The answer is probably not to print more. Yeah, the answer is just, like, let's raise taxes on the wealthy or, like, yeah. let's cut the military budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. can print as much money as we want to have a giant military budget. Yeah. But yeah. essentially essentially, what we had in 2020 and what we will are continuing to have in 2021 is MMT for corporations, where, right. I mean, the stock market is at all-time highs literally every single week. Why? Because, like, 
there, it's not because the like there's been some economic turnaround it's because there's just more money in supply on like pandemic unemployment yeah and no exactly it's like like we we have we are currently trying basically mmt for corporations i guess that's honestly like the story of the u.s is like at the end of the day the u.s is like one of the most like socialist communist organizations except only for (laughs) corporations that's true it's like big bernie talking point um yeah So someone explained that to me um, because I've got a bone to pick with the economic platform of the left for that reason. Um, Tend to agree. Um, But but I'd love to have my mind changed. (laughs) Change my mind? You set up like a like booth. Um, (laughs) I'll set up a booth in like fucking like Columbia economics department. At the hub. At the hub. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. That's a good idea. I'll go uh, right on down to Berkeley campus and try to get someone to red pill me on <laughs> MMT. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, anything else? There. I had I was gonna talk about Gulag Archipelago, but um, yeah, I guess all I wanted to say about that is first that I love. I think that's the best book title, like Gulag Archipelago. It's so good. It sounds yeah. amazing. There's like, a lot of G's. Yeah, it's, like, so, like, I'm, like, where is that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure, yeah. But basically, I've been hearing about this book for a while because it's fucking Jordan Peterson's favorite book. He literally brings it up in, like, every interview. He's, like, have you read Gulag Archipelago? (laughs) Well, he wrote the intro. Yeah, he's obsessed. Um, Uh But basically, Gulag, but Adam Curtis mentions it in this episode because, like, he mentions how, like, the idea, like, basically what arose from like all the atrocities of the 20th century meaning like the nazis like the ussr china etc all these like big idea societies was that like after all of those like landed in like genocide everyone was like afraid to have big ideas and he sort of he brings up gulag archipelago to support this by basically saying that like gulag archipelago basically says that like ideology itself is the problem like having the idea that you can like change society in this like fundamental theory-based way is the problem lame but Um, i think i think what is a more accurate portrayal of gulag because like i I, not that i've read it i've literally just heard jordan peterson go on about it and like read some like reviews i think what's more accurate like i would say that's adam curtis's interpretation is like this is like the part of like this is supporting the idea that we shouldn't have big ideas and i do think that that's there's a lot of truth in that and that I think like part of why everybody just yells at each other for being fascist constantly is just because like anytime anybody has an idea that's outside of like the accepted norm, we sure. immediately think Nazi yeah. Germany, okay. you know, yeah, because yeah, yeah, of yeah. this, like, because of the 20th century. But yeah. I think what Gulag Archipelago is actually saying is like that the reason why ideology is bad is because people forget God and think that they can be God with their big ideas and they can make society like in their image essentially. And that that's, it's more of a critique of like the godlessness of communism than it is about like, (laughs) like having like an idea for how society could be different. But I think practically it works out to be basically the same thing. But now I want to read it, but it's like fucking a thousand pages. Like I'm not, Mm. I'm not going to do that. Who has the time? Literally, who Um, has the time? No, I know we've been talking recently-ish about, like, kind of what does 
or like what is the difference between modernism and postmodernity mm-hmm. or at least mm-hmm. you were like asking me to unpack it and I think that actually is to me like a very big part of like like a, a very big piece of like the essence inside of that shift is the essence from like like ideology to post ideology and ideology being like the ambition that like large scale change is possible and then post ideology being like no like large scale change is inherently racist inherently violent inherently xenophobic it's inherently because of how all of these ambitious projects have ended and i think that like that <clears throat> i mean like you know, the in like those like ideology has been present in um america too i mean if you think about like the w WPA, what was the 1930s thing? Oh, Work- yeah. PW, sure, like just like all the shit that whatever. came out of the New Deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel, I mean, architecture specifically played a very instrumental role inside of that because it's all about like building and the idea of like how could building of infrastructure, of housing, et cetera, be instrumentalized to create like large scale change for significant groups of people. But then it's like the kind of like, I mean, the, like, hindsight is twenty twenty like, backwards look at most of those is that, like, oh, like, public housing was built and then it enabled segregation and it enabled, like, it created, like, slum-like conditions for poorer people in, like, certain areas. And it's, like, like, I mean, the Pruitt-Igo was, like, this public housing complex in St. Louis that was, like, demolished in the 1970s. And it's, like, a lot of architects, like, kind of like view that as the end of modernism or and just like cultural historians because it was like literally like bombed and demolished and you like watched the public housing like fall to pieces (laughs) and it's like that's so like it's just so sad because it's like I mean in spite of whatever those projects became at least they were ambitious and at least they were like dreaming of something you could say the same thing for like the ussr it's like at least it fucking tried like literally the only thing worse than being like violent and shitty is like not caring imo like Mm. and so like i personally like i don't know like i mean i am like a bit of like an ideologue i think even though i change my mind constantly but like (laughs) i feel like i feel like it's important to like commit to the bit and like believe in like believe that like whatever you are like thinking about be like no I'm like pretty researched and I think this is right like because otherwise it's just like who cares and if nothing else you're probably not very interesting to talk to um and that's the most important that's if if the worst things you could be are violent or not caring the best things you could be are interesting to talk to (laughs) (laughs) it's true and that's and that's our list of people that we love yeah I mean Uh I I I feel like I'm really, like, juries out for me on, like, individualism and collectivism and modernism and postmodernism, where I'm just, like, I really don't know where I fall. But I think I'm still interesting to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're um, committed to the bet. I'm certainly That's committed for to damn the bet. Sure. Yeah, yeah. no one can take that away from me. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, dead hands. I think I think my view of ideology is probably pretty similar to my view of power. That like I don't think that you can remove it. I don't think that you can remove like having ideas or a story or like something that people the bit that people are going to commit to, no matter how much you try to like outwoke yourself. You know what I mean? Right. Like I think that. In the vacuum right. of ideology, an ideology will always emerge, even if that ideology is like, I don't know, anti-ideology. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. I don't know. I think, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. which and, is like postmodernism is like, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's funny ideology. because I'm yeah. also thinking about this in the context of, of Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson always goes on about how much he hates the ideologues by which he means the he literally refers to them as the postmodern neo-marxists like literally that's, which is that's who he's yeah. like those are the ideologues <laughs> it's true i'm like it's true you guys need Modern? to just stop using big words and just literally like talk about how you feel and how you think like <laughs> i like using big words but um shoot me i i will um <laughs> I can use big words because I'm I'm done that hard. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and basic. I mean, they're useful sometimes. I just think that like I feel like we need to like we need to like establish the meaning of things every so often. Like, I mean, this was my bone to pick in the first episode. It's just like I feel like we hide. I mean, Adam Curtis says that he'll never say the word neoliberalism because he's like nobody pays attention after you say neoliberalism because they already think they know what you're talking about, even though yeah. nobody knows what they're talking about. And I'm it's like, it's also just kind of embarrassing. Yes. Um, <laughs> think I'm neoliberal. <laughs> um, cool. Well, should we like wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, um Yeah, I don't know. Show's good. I'm excited to keep going. Yeah, we're having a good time. Just, mm-hmm. you know, throwing around these ideas. <laughs> we really are. We're figuring th- we're coming up with a new ideology here. I will stand by that. Like, I kind of if will nothing too. else. If nothing mm-hmm. else. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're on the cusp. Oh yeah, we we certainly are. Okay, should we yeah. Sign off. Okay. okay. Literally, bye. Literally, bye.